Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Bounce Roundtable podcast. Um, good morning, Justin, Bob. How are you? Hey, How's it going? How are you? Hi, Justin. Hello. So everybody, uh, we've had quite the week. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, we never really struggle for topics, right? When we're like, what's there to talk about this week? Yeah, because America's political system is so batshit crazy that there's just there's just a never-ending supply of like insanity to talk about. Yeah, we should only yeah. be lucky that someday we get on here with like, man, it's been a boring week. Mm-hmm. Oh, if only. You couldn't do this in like Denmark, right? You couldn't run a, you couldn't really do a politics podcast in Denmark, <laughs> could you? It, it was right. a particularly rainy week this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yes, so we have uh, we have uh, quite the show for you today. Um, we are going to be talking about um, the toilet clog in the White House, the um, <laughs> Trump, Trump flushing documents down the toilet, the White House. Why couldn't he have flushed himself? Yes, that would have been nice. Uh, we've got the the more on the January sixth com- sixth committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about that and why uh, this, you know significant movement there, which is very interesting, and Republicans yeah. are very rattled. We've got um, <laughs> we've got the the Gazpacho. Um, we've got the Gazpacho. oh Jesus, that was amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a secret um, Spanish soup. <laughs> and then we've got our uh, Joe Rogan. We're going to talk about Joe Rogan, racism, and uh, we have our both sides segment. And then we are going to be moving into the members section where we're going to be talking about the end of the daily banter and the beginning of the banter newsletter. Uh, where you're listening to this now, right. so it's the three year anniversary of being on newsletter format. So we're going to have a little chat after that. Uh, so uh, on we go. Um, Justin, you were particularly incensed when we had our pre-show meeting. Um, you were particularly incensed about the the Trump toilet clog. So, w- would you like to uh, would you like to give us an overview of, of what? Uh, it, it, I mean, part of this leads into my both sides thing, but the fact that this is not a screaming headline on every newspaper is driving me absolutely fucking crazy. I mean, we dealt with butter emails for, I don't know, what was it, 18 months? It was the hugest scandal of all time. I mean, my God, it was Watergate times a thousand with her emails. And there wasn't even anything illegal going on there. It was just <gasps> scandal. And here Trump is literally doing something quite illegal. You know, I mean, he's mm-hmm. been, we all knew he was ripping up documents, right? Because he's a lunatic and he thinks like a mob boss, right? If he rips up documents, no one's going to know what he's been doing. And now we're finding out that he's been flushing them down the toilet, right? To the point where, you know, cause he's a moron that he's been clogging the toilets. 
Um, we also find out that he's been using burn bags, like, you know, actually burning them. And now we also find out that he took a bunch of documents, at least, at least 15 boxes of documents from the White House, a bunch of them labeled very obviously top secret. Mm-hmm. Right. And now, and someone, I forgot who I was listening to, but someone asked, it's like, that's the, that's the, the documents that we know about that, right. Those are the ones that were recovered. How many more did he take that we don't know about? Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that he took and had destroyed because you know, a bunch of this has to do with January 6th and stuff that he needed to make disappear. There's yeah. no way that he didn't make stuff disappear because he knows that he, he committed a whole bunch of crimes and he needed to make the documentation disappear. And it's driving me absolutely insane. Like the New York times had a gazillion articles about Hillary Clinton's emails, page one above the fold, this story with Trump page 15, because that's not important. Don't worry about that. Look the other way. There's other things to talk about. And it drives me absolutely fucking crazy. And I, I swear to God, no one's calling it illegal. They're finding mm-hmm. a thousand other words to use besides illegal. Yeah. Anything yeah. but illegal. Yeah. If you which, or I did this, we'd be in jail. Yeah, absolutely. And what I want to know is, did he personally supervise the packing of those documents? I mean, we've seen the boxes uh, coming in from the National Archives. Who packed all that shit up? Who was helping him to hide these documents? Did he personally select the documents he wanted? Like one of the things we've been reading about uh, in the past couple of days is he would go through the PDBs and rip out photos that he liked, <laughs> which is what he always used to do with magazines, by the way. He would go through magazines and, and tear out pictures and articles that had to do with him. And then he would uh, scribble all over them in Sharpie and then fax his comments on the article back to the author of the article. So like, you know, Graydon Carter referred to him as a short fingered vulgarian. So Trump would <laughs> Trump would send every article that had a picture of Trump in which Trump's hands look particularly large because of the camera angle or whatever. He would circle his own hands in the picture after tearing it out of the magazine and the newspaper and then fax it to Graydon Carter. This is how psychotic the 45th president was. And it's amazing that we made it through those four years. But now he's kind of <laughs> we're learning that he's kind of doing that with PDBs. And uh, obviously, uh, in the broader picture here, um, this all shows consciousness of guilt, the destruction of documents in particular, whether he's eating them, whether he's flushing them. And who knows, in, in some instances, it might be one of the same process where <laughs> he's eating them and flushing them, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then uh, burn bags. We were talking about this before the uh, before the. In fact, I f- completely forgot that he was burning documents too. And to me, there should be more attention paid to that uh, as opposed to the flushing, because burning documents historically has always been something that uh, uh, you know d- uh, uh, certain uh, despots and strongmen, as soon as they're about to be ousted from office, you check the chimneys, and if there's smoke coming out of the chimneys, they're burning documents. Yeah, I mean that's and like so, a Hollywood trope, but it's real. Yeah, exactly. It's something they it's really exactly do. The Hollywood trope, right? Right. It was like in uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, they go by the uh, Russian embassy, the Soviet embassy, and and you see they see smoke coming out of the chimneys. Oh yes, they're burning documents before you know the nuclear war. So uh, this is what Trump was engaged in, and as far as I'm concerned, the politics here are obvious. 
he every time he would do a rally, he would talk about the 30,000 emails and acid washing the hard drives and blah, blah, blah. Russia, if you're listening, Democrats, every single Democrat, whoever appears on camera, I don't care what they're running for. They need to mention the 15 boxes of documents stolen from the White House. They need to mention the burn bags. They need to mention the flushing of the, the official, uh, you know, in some cases he was taking top secret information as well. And so that all has to be repeated. In order for this to stick, Democrats running for office need to not only repeat that, but then link it to the Republican Party. Because the Republican Party now, if you do just one jump down the line, the Republican Party is entirely merged with the the Trump organization. Not not the Trump company, not the, the corporation itself, but with the entire Trump inner circle. I mean, during the 2020 campaign, they shared offices. Uh, Ronna McDaniel, obviously defending Donald Trump any chance she gets in defiance of some other people in the party, such as Mike Pence, Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney, Mitch McConnell. Um, Really fascinating to see how this is all going to play out, by the way, from a a politics point of view, because my sincere hope is that, uh, you know, the McConnell faction of the GOP will maybe distance itself even further from Donald Trump. And uh, yeah, I do definitely think that they know something that maybe we don't know yet. Maybe they're getting word of some of the crap that's coming out of the one six committee that uh, hasn't been made public yet. Who knows? But for some reason they're, yeah, they're running scared. This is what I think is is happening. That's my, my, what I, I suspect, right? Because we've had, just this past week, Chris Christie, um, Mitch McConnell, Mike Pence, all of them coming out and basically Mike Pence by name called out Trump and said mm-hmm. that his, you know, he doesn't have the right to overthrow the election. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell uh, has, has called the, um, uh, he called the the attack on on January January sixth. Uh, he called it quote a violent insurrection for the purposes of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. Yeah. Uh, he's spoken out against the RNC um, uh, censuring of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who who are the two Republican members of the House of Representatives serving on the committee. Um, uh, yeah, Chris Christie was 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 he's been calling out Trump by name. I think they must know that this is getting out like this January 6th committee is, is, is really serious and they're uncovering like really, 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 really egregious um, kind of uh, facts, right. That oh, it's going to leave no doubt whatsoever that Trump incited this. He knew what he was doing. He incited a riot. Uh, he lied. He, his lies directly, um, his lies and, and uh, his speeches directly um, contributed to the attacks on January 6th. And I think that they're trying to cover their asses. That's my my feeling now, is that the tide mm. may be turning. I don't know. Look, I, I've said this before. You always think, like, even after January 6th, you just thought, okay, this, this is that's the end of Trump. But the motherfucker is still here. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's It's... Like, what does it take to kill this cockroach? I don't understand. <laughs> well, all right. So you you, you got to think these are these are not particular. I mean, remember when John Oliver kept covering um, the Russia Gate stuff and he kept calling it stupid Watergate because they kept they yeah. they were they were criming right. They were committing all these different crimes and they were just doing it really really badly. 
Like they were doing it really stupidly and really out in the open, and they weren't covering their tracks very well. Mm-hmm. Um, everything they did after, like during the election, like leading right up to the election, all the stuff they were trying to pull, and right after the election, they, well, one, they're extremely stupid, right? They're not good criminals. And two, they assumed they were going to get away with it, so it wouldn't matter. Right. If you think that you're going to seize power, you don't have to cover your tracks because you're going to be in control. Right. So anything you do that's illegal doesn't matter when you're the one in charge. Right. So either you just have your buddy Bill Barr shut down whatever investigations there are or Trump just pardoned you. Mm-hmm. So who cares? Right. Why cover your tracks? And then when that didn't happen, they only had a very short amount of time to make all the evidence disappear. And we already know they're really, really bad at that. <laughs> and, and this is the thing with like, like when it comes to the conspiracy theorists and they say, you know, it's massive conspiracies and everyone's in on it. And it's like, yeah, but the problem with big conspiracies is that you have that many people in on it. They can't keep it a secret because people don't keep secrets very well. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing now. You have, hundreds and hundreds of people involved in this in this thing that's happening that or that happened and a lot of them are talking you know you've got these oath keepers that have been arrested you've got these proud boys that are being that have been arrested and some of them are cooperating witnesses and some of them are going to have receipts and you've got these people that are coming in and testifying that were in the trump administration and you know the fbi is leading on them it's like you know you're going to go to jail for a really long time for working with these people. And they're going to be like, oh, what if I give you information? Here's emails. Here's letters. Here's signed documents. Please don't send me to jail for 25 years. Mm -hmm. You know, like the whole I'll die for Trump. Some of them are going to do that. Not all of them are going to do that. And, you know, and I know people are screaming, Merrick Garland has to do something. He has to do something. They are doing something. They're getting people to turn. They're yeah. twisting people, and there are people who are talking, and that's what Republicans are freaking – that's why they didn't want this in the first place because they knew this was a really large thing that happened, which means a lot of people are going to say, I will not go to jail for this for 30 years. Here's all my information. Go arrest them. Mm-hmm. And that's this is, this, is, this is what's starting to happen, and there's a bunch of Republicans who know – there's a whole lot of motherfuckers going to jail for this, and they don't want to be part of it. They just I hope don't. you're right. I, I, God, I really hope you're right. Uh, but what we've seen with these guys is they seem to elude arrest. And look, yeah. anything can happen. Tomorrow we could wake up. There would have been a pre-dawn raid at Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster and Trump Tower. And uh, this uh, will we'll be underway. There'll be an investigation. Uh, with the National Archives thing, there's a a bit of a a process apparently before we get there where from what we understand from the reporting the national archives discovered possible classified documents which we now i think have verification that there's some marked top secret uh they went to doj and said what do we do and then doj said well you just got to have your inspector general look at it and kicked it back to the national archives so clearly what's happening here is DOJ is uh, p- possibly uh, guarding its own ass 
Mm. But uh, but on the positive side, I like to think, and this is me trying to muster some hopefulness out of this, that they just are going through official procedure because I keep emphasizing the fact that we've never really done this before. No one's investigated a sitting president before. So it's really challenging and it's going to they're going to really have to work their asses off to make sure they've got all their bases covered, that this isn't just some frivolous thing that they engage in uh, and that uh, it's foolproof. It can't be seen as being political in any way. You know what I mean? It can't uh, there can't be any taint to it because in that case, there's going to be a lot of trouble in the long run. Uh, yeah, I mean, already we're looking at uh, the possibility that uh, Republicans will then investigate Joe Biden or whoever. And they're saying they will. Right. They're openly saying this. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, they're going to they're going to retaliate. Uh, and the standard has to be unimpeachable because the Republicans will try to retaliate. But in order for that to seem credible in, in the public view, they have to go through the same process as what's happening now. They have to be super careful. But on the other hand, if they look frivolous, then it looks frivolous. Then it looks like the Benghazi hearings where just or the email hearings where it just looks like a witch hunt. I mean, a legitimate witch hunt. <laughs> Donald Trump has bastardized the term witch hunt. But, uh, you know, that would be a real witch hunt. What, what, they were, what they were doing with Hillary Clinton was a witch hunt. Absolutely. But so this is a, a careful and very um, a delicate process that they have to go through. Yeah, and so just, that's, that's what I'm trying to tell myself, guys. I'm trying to yeah. tell myself that it's because they're being careful. It's not because they're just like, oh, well, this is what we don't do this in the United States. We don't investigate uh, former presidents. Uh, I hope it's not that. I am still looking forward to Glenn Greenwald explaining why a candidate under investigation by the FBI can absolutely run for president now. Yeah, I'm 100% right. looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. It's going right. to be very exciting to see his rationale. It's just the downplaying of it, right? It's like everybody involved in downplaying how serious this is. Yeah, it's not just the downplaying. It's where the downplaying comes from. It's coming from a disingenuousness that we've never seen before. There is this degree of artificiality that we're seeing in a lot of political circles these days where there nothing makes sense. It's just a take for the sake of there being a take. And then because of social media, because of uh, social media scrutiny, no one's willing to back down off their take. Uh, everyone wants to save face. No one wants to be proven wrong. It's like with, uh, you know, we've been talking for the last few weeks about Bill Maher and the COVID thing, the done with COVID nonsense. Um, that was a take that Bill Maher threw out there back in the fall before Omicron, where he was saying, yeah, the pandemic's over in his snarky, smug way. Yeah, pandemic's over. Go home. Don't do anything. Forget it. And then Omicron spikes. Bill Maher comes back from his hiatus, refuses to admit that he was wrong back in the fall. That's what I'm talking about. You know, uh, there's a degree of rank dishonesty. And obviously, we see a lot of lies in politics. That's no surprise. It's been the case throughout the history of human civilization. Politicians lie. People involved in politics lie. But the, the this is different. This is disingenuousness for the sake of being disingenuous. There's no ulterior motive other than 
this narcissistic, ego-driven uh, uh, stubbornness that is out there. And it's, uh, it's frustrating, especially when it comes from legitimate members of the press where well, they're there's, unwilling. There's also the problem of if they don't say if they don't say both sides of the problem, then they have to talk about the problem. Yeah. And if they talk about the problem, they have to talk about it in real terms. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you go out there and say Republicans are a fascist white nationalist death cult, <laughs> you you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that as in the news. You can't go out there and say and, and that's the that's that's not even me being hyperbolic. That's just literally what they are at this point. They 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 literally support fascism. They literally support white nationalism, and they're a fucking death cult. But you can't say that on the news. So what do you have to do? You have to be dishonest about what Republicans are. You have to pretend that they're a normal political party, and that leads you into these weird places where you just have to be rank dishonest all the time about what's happening and why it's happening. Mm -hmm. Which is why you know. COVID is now Biden's fault, and, and you can't talk about the fact that Republican governors have done everything possible to spread it, and that you know Joe Rogan's out there spreading COVID and telling people not to get vaccines. You can't discuss that, because then you have to discuss the problem, and you're not allowed to do that. So yeah, the, the question I have for you, Justin, is this, and this is a point of discussion I had on my podcast on Tuesday, um, and... I'm not sure I necessarily agree with this perspective, but, uh, you know, there's been a lot of questions regarding how do you how do you sell the notion of incoming fascism to, let's say, rank and file people who don't really follow a lot of politics? They go and vote uh, in a general election now and then. Um, but if you say fascism, if you say uh, authoritarian extremism, if you say, you know, this is good, this is going to be fascist idiocracy, whatever the, the terms we are, uh, you know, and they're all realistic terms. I mean, they're all we're not exaggerating here. This is genuine. But when people hear that, they kind of tune out and go, oh, well, you're just being hyperpartisan. How, how do you and and. I have a definitive idea in terms of what you do in response or how you pitch this stuff, but I'm interested to hear how you would think uh, what's the best avenue to take when it comes to uh, selling that to people who are otherwise disengaged, who might be turned off by the notion of uh, more extremist kind of uh, framing. The of, only thing of the I can think of is to highlight in really super clear terms what they're actually saying and doing mm -hmm. i mean th this is one of the reasons i i talk about what they're saying and doing so regularly it's like it's not just me saying oh no they're fascists and they want to kill us it's like no they're literally saying these things this is what they actually say it's not just me saying they're saying it these are quotes that come out of their mouths. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's not just I, this is what I think. You know, when the, when the right talks about us, they make shit up. When we talk about them, we can literally quote them. Like mm -hmm. this is what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. Don't just tune out. Listen to the words coming out of their mouths and understand yeah. this is what they're saying. 
And if if I can't get, you know, people don't want to listen to what they're saying or or look at what they're actually doing. I mean, they're literally burning books in the street. What do you need from them? You know, if they're shooting people in the streets, what do you need them to do before you believe that they're violent terrorists? I mean, there's no there, you can't you can't keep saying both sides do it if only one side has a rapidly mounting body count. Mm-hmm. You know, they set fire. They they tried. Actually, they did try to set fire to the fucking capital. But they broke into the capital. They shit and piss all over the place, and they were looking to murder uh, elected officials. Yeah. What do you need? What do you need them to do before you believe that there's something wrong there? And I don't know past that. It's like mm-hmm. they're right in front of you saying, I want to violently overthrow your government and install a fascist theocracy. Yeah. I'm telling you that in mm-hmm. your face. You don't believe me, though. So I'm going to keep doing it. Ha ha. What do you do? How, I think how do you make, convince? That makes a lot of sense. I think if you go through some of the examples and define it that way, for example, state legislatures, Republican state legislatures, passing laws that say the legislature can overrule the actual results of an election. Th- these are laws that have been passed. That is fascism. That is authoritarian. Exactly. They have uh, these militia groups. I mean, this ties into what we're going to be talking about later when it comes to both sides, at least uh, uh, my example of this. And that is that uh, uh, the Republican Party and a significant number of Republicans, I should put at least that way, believe that democracy is something you achieve through the use of weaponry, firearms, violence. When that's not what democracy is. Democracy doesn't have anything to do with that. And I'm jumping ahead of myself with this. But that's another example. But what we're going to shoot the things that we don't like. And there are actual examples of this. That we've seen it. So, yeah, I, I'm getting way ahead of ourselves, as I said. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, just, that's right. just a preview. It's scary. Yeah. Right, scary. right. Yeah, that's we're the trailer. A, I think we're in a scary place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we have been for the past. Yeah, five years. we've been in a scary place. Yeah, five years of extremely scary, very, very scary. Um, well, look, let's um, on a slightly lighter note, we've got the um, <laughs> now for some, something completely different. Well, yeah, actually, let's talk about let's do, we'll go for something lighter, which is Joe Ro- Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rogan <laughs> being, being so. Look, right, this is um, the our comp- Joe Rogan's not having a great month he's not having a great couple of weeks uh he can't seem to get himself out of the news and uh the first thing was obviously because of the vaccine stuff um and neil young pulling all of his um uh music off of spotify and the 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 stock price of spotify plummeting and uh you know joe rogan's apology he apologized for that then somebody else has um i don't know who it was but they put a compilation together of rogan using the n-word over and over and over again and then telling a joke about going to a movie theater in a black neighborhood and uh, watching Planet of the Apes. And he said, like, he got there and they got out of the car and they were in Planet of the Apes, right? <laughs> ah, so clever. Jesus Christ. So clever. Good, right? Not good. Um, so Rogan came out and apo- he he did a video and apologized uh, for, for everything. Like, you know, look, hats off to the guy for coming out with a straight up apology. I think a lot of the, you know, this is, look, this is just my take on it, right? That 
a lot of the the, the times when he was using the N word, um, I think were they were take they were certainly taken out of context. He was use they, they, he was using it in context, and some of those clips mm-hmm. were from a long time ago when it was a lot more. You know, there wasn't such sensitivity around the use of the word. Yeah, you know um, what? Let me let me jump in here, Ben, because I wanted to mention too, and and I don't want to turn this into a crusade against Louis C.K. Um, well, if you want to do that, you're certainly welcome to. But there was a stand-up bit that Louis C.K. was doing, I want to say around 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And his his thing was uh, that when someone says the phrase, the N-word, you're actually putting the actual word into the head of whoever's hearing the N-word. You know what I mean? And that was kind of his bit. Like, so why not, and his point was, why not just say the word? And so at that period of time, I think when Joe Rogan had that particular discussion, this doesn't absolve Joe Rogan. Make no mistake, because certainly the other things he said are horrifying enough. But um, I think that may have been the context or the peg for what that conversation was when they were talking about the N-word and actually saying the word or not. And, uh, and that was a point of discussion, mostly among privileged white people <laughs> and that was I, I don't know if any black people were going hey yeah you know what it's okay if if white people say the the real word because as long as it's in context that's fine that's, that wasn't going on but that yeah. was maybe that louis ck bit i think touched off a discussion in white people circles about how you handle the idea of using the phrase the n-word Right, 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 right. And I mean, look, it's, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that issue, whether you should, I don't, right? Like I don't, we used to put it on the banter in context. Yeah. uh, But now we'll blot it out because look, I'm with, I want to respect the feelings of, you know, African-Americans, black people. It's not, I don't have a problem not saying it. It's not really, for me, it's not that big a deal. Uh, and like I think Ice Cube had, remember Ice Cube went on Bill Maher uh, a few years ago when Bill Maher used it, um, and Ice Cube said it's it, it's uh, it's our word and you can't have it back. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I sort of I accept that, you know. But I think that a lot of what Joe Rogan has did, said was out of context. I think the joke he told the Planet of the Apes show was a shitty joke. I think he was mm-hmm. trying to be funny. And he realized he fucked up when he did it and and said, wow, that sounded really racist. And he tried to kind of, I think he just didn't, I don't think, look, here's my honest feelings. I don't think Joe Rogan is a racist. I think he's definitely not, like he, he he's many things, right? He's, Joe Rogan is many, many things. Uh, uh, I, one of the worst disinformation merchants out there at the moment particularly in regards to the pandemic which i think is almost unforgivable the the way how badly he's handled this pandemic do i think he's a racist no do i think that joke was horrific yes it was a fucking terrible joke and he re- that was it was just bad just awful and i'm glad he apologized for it because it was it was just it, yeah not good um but it's also kicked off a massive <laughs> everybody's absolutely outraged about this and and um here we are again right like another point is like why the fuck are we always talking about joe rogan <laughs> yeah 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that. Do you, do you think that that's a reasonable take on it? I, I don't. I don't know. Do you have a more cynical take on it? I. I. I you know what? I. I think. I think Joe Rogan is racist. I, I think it's not like he's not going around, uh, you know, in KKK rallies. He's not uh, necessarily malicious about it on a regular basis, although that Planet of the Apes joke was pretty, pretty heinous. Uh, so uh, I think I, I think there is some level of racism in Joe Rogan. I think that's undeniable. If If your instinct is to make that joke, on some level, you are racist. And again, this isn't necessarily in the Ku Klux Klan, Nazi, white supremacist vein, but there is this uh, societal, maybe some form of latent racism that's, uh, you know, because Joe Rogan's an, an older guy. He's more along the lines of my generation, Gen X and and coming up in that climate where, you know, in movies and TV, well, not necessarily TV shows, but certainly there was a level of casual racism. If you look at a movie like 48 Hours, for example, which is really a, a serious commentary on American racism. Um, mm. But Nick Nolte says horrible, horrible things in that movie. It's all in the yeah. aim of, uh, of pointing it out, of, of underscoring it. But that was the the world that I think uh, our generation, certainly earlier generations, grew up in, and so uh, there's some of that implanted in in his head. And uh, you know, again, I I, I haven't really been in and amongst this debate. I haven't really uh, jumped into the Joe Rogan thing yeah. as much as I probably should have. But it's uh, uh, it's one of those things where. Um, yeah, you can. I think you can see it. And, and on top of that, I mean, even even if, I mean, like like Bob said, our generation it's been it's been force fed to us, right? Whether we want it or not, it's there. I mean, I wrote mm. an entire article about this once. It's like you know, it's like every person in our generation has uh, some degree of racism because that's what we were raised on. Every you know, every criminal in our TV shows was black. I mean, the headlines in all of the news articles was, you know, black crime, this black crime, that, I mean, you can look it up. It, it's been mm. studies about that. They still do it to a certain degree. You know, when the news talks about crime, they tend to overemphasize black crime, um, which is not the majority of crime, but yet that's most of what you see. Yeah, if you look at right wing media, right wing media, like you know. Oh, I'm not talking about right wing media. I'm just talking about no, they, they, the they, news. They, they do it and don't even bother hiding it, right? Like if you look at like the Daily Caller or like the Blade. Oh yeah, no. Well, they're doing it for explicitly ra racist reasons because yeah, that's always, what they're doing. There's always uh, a black criminal that they're that they're putting a po a, right along. But um, like back in like the 70s and 80s, that was just the right. news and it wasn't done intentionally it was just that's what they did mm. um you know in the movies the criminals were mostly black that's just what they did it was just a thing that they did um but so so there's that but there's also a matter of like the you know the joe rogan is a privileged white guy and when you tell the privileged white guy you can't do something their first reaction is fuck you i can't how mm. dare you tell me i can't say that anymore i'm allowed to say anything i want and then they're going to f push back 
as hard as they can and find excuses. But well, hey, I should be able to say it because it's in the music. I'm allowed to say it. They say it. How come they can say it? How come I can't say it? How dare you? But look, I would say this. Look, in defense of Rogan on this particular occasion, I can't believe I'm defending Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> um, like, he, he, he's, he did accept it. He accepted, He said, I don't use the word anymore. I'm sorry. Like, it sounded fucking horrific, even for me, um, I think. You know what I mean? I think he felt pretty ashamed of all of that stuff. Uh, and that's what came across in his apology. Um so I, I take what you what you guys are saying, but I I just think like look I just think in in this instance, um, you know look it's like the whole that we we do there is a bit of a cancel culture thing going on right now. It's like Whoopi Goldberg was, um, you know, asked to she she was suspended from the view, the view for two weeks for what she said, um, you know whatever fine I what I, I just. I don't want to cancel either of them, right? I I think what Whoopi Goldberg said about about the Holocaust was fucking disgraceful, right? Like really bad. Um, you know what I mean? Like it was at least to, for me, it was incredibly offensive. But I don't think she is a bad like if she's like a card carrying anti semite, yeah, then get rid of her, you know. Like, but I don't think she is. I think she's. Like 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 everybody, she holds. You know, there's a lot of kind of. Um, it was thoughtless. Yeah, and there's like anti-Semitism, right? Like the amount of people who I know who are anti-Semitic, who hold anti-Semitic views, right? Like anti-black views, um, and they don't necessarily know that they hold them, right? They have these um, beliefs that are in, that have been ingrained over, you know, it's like centuries worth of. Of propaganda against Jews, right? Um, it's like, look, it, like, the, like the tr- Trevor Noah thing, right? So Trevor Noah came out and did a whole thing on Joe Rogan, right? I, which I thought he he sort of it was he skewered Rogan for the racist for the for the N word stuff. I think it was, and he did a good job on it, right? But look, Trevor Noah, if you went back to 2012, someone uncovered a whole load of tweets that he made with some incredibly like anti-Semitic jokes. Um that he made right and and it's sort of i think we're in this but i don't i thought trevor noah's jokes were terrible like the the anti-semitic jokes they just weren't funny and Mm. i thought joe rogan's thing about the planet of the apes thing it just wasn't funny but i don't think that they're both bad they're like racists right i don't think and trevor noah is an anti-semite and i don't think joe rogan is a racist i think that they hold some potentially you know, uh, it's like okay to make jokes about Jews in this way, and it's okay to make jokes about blacks in 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 another way. Mm-hmm. And those views that that might be that might have sort of roots in in kind of ingrained anti-Semitism or ingrained racism towards black people. Um, so I thought, you know, the Trevor Noah thing was like, okay, dude, like you want you might want to watch what you're saying before you start attacking everybody else for racism. You know, and then we there is a bit of a double standard going on now, where it's like anti-Semitism is not really regarded as a as a as as being racist, right? It's like it, it's something different, almost. Well, it's mm. been a whole four days since someone's told me that what I am is a Jew, so that's progress, right? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So I don't know. I guess I guess I'm I sl- I feel slightly confused about this whole topic, right? I get I don't even know whether I'm making much sense here, but you know. 
I'm glad Rogan apologized. I think that, you know, we don't need to cancel people for any of this stuff. Um, and yeah, it's complicated. It's very complicated. And we're in a very strange situation now um, where we're, we, we might be being in an over, overly sensitive period right now as well, you know, uh, and rightfully so. It was kind of like the Me Too movement, right? When the Me Too, Too movement happened, which which was, uh, you know, amazing, right? But there was some, it, the pendulum swung to, I think, in some instances, swung too far where people would just then, you know, you could just say, like, he's an abuser of women um, and that person's entire career would be ruined with, like, not much evidence. Um, and I'm not saying that that happens in the majority of cases. I would say that's the, the minority of cases. I don't think people cry wolf about that kind of thing. Uh, but there was, you know, the pen. Now I think we're in this state where the pendulum's just all over the place. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, and, you progress. know. And, and here's my here's the rule and the standard I set for myself um, with regard to any of the language that we're all uh, learning as we go, and that mm. is that if there's an oppressed group and they want to be called X Y, they don't want to be called X Y whatever that is, whatever the choice is, it's not necessarily up to me to say, no, 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 you can't be called that. Or yes, 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 you can be called that. Mm. It's not <laughs> as a white man in the year 2022, that's not my place. And in fact, it's not anyone else's place, whether they're another oppressed group telling another oppressed group what they should or shouldn't be called. If that oppressed group wants to be called X or Y, that's fine with me. There's no, there's no debate when it comes to that. It, it, it is what it is. And, mm. uh, and I, I just, uh, I, I'm perfectly happy, not as if they even need my permission, but I'm perfectly happy to go along with whatever, whatever, whatever terminology that happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think generally speaking, right. It's like the, the sort of the, um, the gender stuff. It's like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to call if you want to be whatever you want to be. I'm happy to call you that. I don't want to have to be, be language policed. Um, I want mm -hmm. minimal language policing, uh, but to a degree, you know, I don't know, like we do need some sort of right. Like the N word, right. Is you could say that's language policing, but I don't know. You know, it's like some of the stuff we would, the way we would talk about women, 50 years ago or even 15 years ago it's like it's changed drastically and you can say this language policing or it's like a shift in the way that we kind of view things and i think that the language then starts to reflect these cultural changes that we're having and it's important to kind of like you know be be at least be aware of it and and yeah. and be sensitive to it which is do you know what i mean it was it was quite you used to be like calling a, a woman a bitch right was was pretty standard you could say that mm -hmm. um uh you know f even 15 10 years ago it was like comedians would joke about you know this bitch would say this and blah blah blah, and and no one bat batted an eyelid but now you can't say that and i think kind of rightfully so yeah you know well, yeah I there's mean, a lot was, of a, a, an entire human civilization worth of oppression and awfulness against uh all of these groups that we're talking about uh blacks jews uh, tr trans people lgbtq this has all been something that has by and large been handed down from the uh 
the oppressive authority of in most, you know, let's say 95 percent of the cases, uh, 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 white men. And so what we're experiencing now is a correction for all of that. And I think it needs to be corrected. In fact, the overcorrection in some cases may actually serve to balance things out more quickly because it's not always going to be an overcorrection. The, right. the, the goal here is to reach some sort of equity, some sort of uh, 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 equilibrium yeah. among everyone. And because of thousands of years of oppression, that's going to take some heavy lifting. And I think we all have to we all have a responsibility to a certain degree of uh, engaging in some of that heavy lifting. Yes, I agree. Um, so, look, hold on. I want to play something for you guys. OK. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on the members of Congress, spying on the legislative. Wait a second. Can I play that again? Sorry. I'm a big fan of just. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress. No, it would have been better if she said goulash instead of uh, gulag. But uh, I don't know if either one of you know the show Red Dwarf, but as soon as she said that, the only thing I could think of was Guaspacho. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> Amazing. Right, I yeah, just I died. Incredible. Like, this is the face of the GOP, everybody. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who is uh, worried about a, um, a vegetable based <laughs> Spanish soup. Um, <laughs> police that's, that's just cold it's just cold man it's, let's, let's not go we, we don't even need to go into the yet yeah, there is cold yeah it is cold um, yep. I forgot about that yeah it, it's delicious actually isn't it like when it's I have actually never had it I've always it, wanted yeah. to try it. It, 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 it it is excellent especially in the summertime it's a wonderful yeah. summertime dish really absolutely is. especially if it's prepared correctly yeah uh, wonderful by Nancy but, Pelosi in Congress. Yeah, yeah. You know, yesterday on my show, I couldn't deliberately mix up those words. When I wanted to say Gestapo, I said I said Gaspacho. When I wanted to say Gaspacho, I kept saying Gestapo, and vice versa. I'm I was having trouble adapting to the moron switcheroo. This is what I'm trying to say here. God, gotta, members of Congress. I mean, we like to think our members of Congress are brilliant and the best of the best. No, 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 no. In some cases, yes. In a lot of cases, it's terrifying how dumb and out of touch members of Congress are. And we know some of the names. It's just uh, embarrassing, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. so fucking embarrassing that you have someone this ignorant and this stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Congress, it's absolutely shocking. But again, this is where this is the 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 party of Sarah Palin and the party of Trump uh, venerates ignorance and stupidity, and uh, you know she's just like kids. us, and yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. yeah, and don't you dare call them stupid. Right? Yeah, I is smart. To, to, to be to be to be honest with you, uh, the one thing I found most surprising was that she know that she knew the word gazpacho. Right? right? Seriously, I was just like, wow, she's even she's heard of it. <laughs> she she actually knows how to pronounce that. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I, look, moving 
And I'm not I'm not saying that she's uh, deliberately putting this on at all. I think she's genuinely an idiot. But the Republican Party is now engaged in this process where they're seeking out idiots. They're elevating yeah. idiots in order to become rodeo clowns. Because what we do is we all see, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene mixing up Gestapo and Gaspacho, which I st- God, I still have trouble screwing those ones up. But um, <laughs> we see that happening and we all flock around that. And then Mitch McConnell goes, hey, 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 let's try to do something really fun, li- li- really sneaky in the background. And that's what happens. Yep. And then uh, we don't see the bullshit. Uh, we also get painted as elitist for making fun of her which is like it's like a it's like a trap right you know that laughing at her is going to increase the sort of the MAGA base is going to be like you know they're laughing at us it's like yeah yeah we are we are we really are but it's like it's so dumb you can't contain it Mm -hmm. right but I also it's like you're in this sort of catch-22 you know you you you're not supposed to talk about how stupid Trump Republicans are you're not supposed to do it, right? Because it's like you're insulting them and you're calling them ignorant and racist, which they are, and laughing at them, which we do, which makes it worse. Then you're an elite, defeat, you know, snob, right? On the East Coast, yeah. Snob. But it only works. That only works in one direction. Like when, when, uh, like if Joe Biden makes a gaffe, hmm. like before they started with the dementia thing, right? They would jump up and down. It's like, oh, he's so stupid. Oh, he's so that. Or Obama made a mistake. Oh, he's so dumb. And I'm like, so. You can call us stupid. I yeah. mean, they call us libtards, right? That you know the and it's okay when they do it because they're real Americans. And when we do it, we're elitist snobs. It's like okay, mm. all right, all right. I get it. Yeah, okay. Hypocrisy. It's so, just straight up hypocrisy, guys. Anyway, look, we need to move. We need to move on. We need to move on to our both sides segment. And in our both sides segment, this is where we. Uh, this has always becomes the theme of the podcast somehow. I don't understand. <laughs> we should just put it in the both sides podcast. Yeah. That highlights the insane, batshit, crazy nonsense we see on the right. Uh, uh, and um, we contrast it with what we see on the left, which is, you know, generally smart, sane, sensible policy. Uh, and our, the media narrative that somehow both sides are just as bad. So, uh, Justin, who have you got this week? All right. Uh, well, I mentioned it earlier, so um, it was had to do with uh, Hillary Clinton's emails and the Trump thing. But it's Maggie Haberman and Chris Saliza, who are both pet peeves of mine. Um, right now, Maggie Haberman's made, I think, so far, like one or two twi- tweets about um, the fact that Trump has been f- uh, caught stealing um, documents from the White House. From uh, from January first, two thousand fifteen, to December thirty first, two thousand sixteen, she had two hundred and sixty five different articles that she wrote or contributed to, having to do with Hillary Clinton's article um, emails. Chris Saliza, in I don't know, I think it was a span of six months, wrote fifty fifty different articles about Hillary Clinton's emails. So far, he hasn't tweeted once about Trump's um, stealing the um, uh, minimum 15 boxes. And uh, Maggie Haberman retweeted a Washington Post article, um, good WAPO piece with explainer on why charges relate relate to, she didn't say related, relate to documents mishandling would be unlikely. One, 
that is not what the article says. And two, she she reduced stealing classified documents to mishandling, which is unfucking believable. This mm-hmm. is a woman who defended refusing to say Trump was a liar by saying that's not our job. But she did not have any problem saying that about Hillary Clinton. She was more than happy to call Hillary Clinton a liar. And this is this is the reverse of both sides because it's something they don't do with both sides. They only do it with one side. They treat Republicans with absolute kids' gloves all the time. I said it before. The New York Times had article after article, headline after headline, above the fold, page one, about Hillary Clinton's emails. So far, they've been just burying this story about Trump. It, page 15. It's like it's not even important. And mm. even if you even if you felt that the Hillary Clinton story was real, which it wasn't, and it was serious, which it wasn't, this thing with Trump stealing the documents is way worse. Like a thousand times worse. Especially now that we know that some of them were top, top secret. Mm-hmm. And yet, the press is just kind of like, which means it was never about the emails. It was always about Hillary. And that drives me absolutely fucking crazy. Because we all knew that's what it was. And it's like every time, every time, I swear to God, Trump exists to prove the press was out to get Hillary. Because mm. he keeps doing exactly the same things or worse just to show that the press treats him completely differently than they did her. It was all about destroying Hillary Clinton. And it's just, they do not treat both sides the same. Bob, yours this week? All right. Well, this is something I've been covering for many, many years now, going back to, God, going all the way back to uh, maybe 2010, maybe before that. Uh, Every time there's an election year, midterms, general election, whatever, Republicans like to make TV commercials, videos, that show them shooting things they don't like. It's every time this goes on. And in the past, we've seen people like Rand Paul shooting the tax code with AR-15s, blowing up. We've seen commercials where they blow up the tax code. We've seen commercials where they, you know, they've got the uh, Affordable Care Act is sitting in front of a target, and they shoot the Affordable Care Act. These are things that are, yes, symbolic, but they emphasize this notion that if you've got an issue with something, if you disagree with something in American politics, shoot it. (laughs) That telegraphs this idea that in democracy, we achieve power by shooting things. That's not how democracy works. Democracy works by a, a debate of ideas and votes. Whoever, whoever has the best ideas tends to get the best, the most votes, and that's who wins elections. That's who gets to run the country. And it's happened again. The uh, 2022 election cycle, I predicted this uh, last year at some point. Oh, get ready. We're going to see uh, Republicans shooting things they don't like. And sure enough, right out of the gate, there's a, a brand new uh, video. It's been produced by a Republican U.S. Senate candidate named Jim Lehman out of Arizona, in which he shoots, uh, I believe it's Joe Biden and 
I, I think Nancy Pelosi is in there and uh, he also shoots Mark Kelly. That who happens this is to be actually pictures yeah. of them. No, it's actors playing them. It's all wow, in the, it's, it's like worse. Yeah, it's basically oh. like an old west shootout. Everyone's in old west costumes and it's like, a, uh, you know, a shootout of the OK Corral thing. It's like a showdown. And uh, we've seen them all in Sergio Leone spaghetti Western movies, these types of scenes. In fact, we've seen them in Boba Fett this past uh, <laughs> season. But uh, in this case, it's a guy. It's the actual candidate, Jim Lehman. And I guess that's how you pronounce his last name. And he shoots three people who are his opponents in the uh, showdown. And it's Mark Kelly, Joe Biden, and someone else who I think is Nancy Pelosi. I have to go back and look at the commercial again. But, you know, as we know, Mark Kelly is the husband of Gabby Giffords, who was shot and uh, suffered severe brain damage, almost died. And um, we all know the story. So this is uh, the first out of the gate of Republicans shooting things they don't like. It's no wonder there are all these bug-eyed red hats and cosplaying militias who think that in American democracy, if something doesn't go your way, shoot that thing. It's so immensely dangerous uh, to keep talking like this. And we've seen the consequences of it. It's not like some abstract theory. We know <laughs> January 6th, start tracing backwards from there. If you don't like something and you don't get your way, get your guns and shoot it. So horrible, so awful. And they think it's hilarious. Yeah, let's do an old West themed thing because it's Arizona you know, after all. I, I seem to remember them freaking out over Kathy, Kathy Griffin having a fake severed head of Donald Trump. Yes, indeed. I, I remember there being a huge, huge, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe she did this. How good she right. but, and, they ca- and they canceled her. You know, they had to make sure that she was canceled, right? I mean, it's, you know. But they're against cancel culture. That, right, exactly. That can't be. That exactly. can't. There's no way she was canceled. That would be right. totally hypocritical. Now, some people will say, yes, both sides do that, Bob, because Joe Manchin did something like that. Joe Manchin did a, a gun-toting commercial. I don't know that he shot anything with it. I just think either he had his gun on him uh, during a particular commercial. Uh, One guy doesn't stack up to, you know, I I have countless examples that I've collected over the years. And yeah, by the way, it is Nancy Pelosi. I'm reviewing (laughs) this video in the background now. There's someone playing Nancy Pelosi. Good Lord. Well, well, I've got got a lovely one for you. I've got a good one for you this this week, uh, everybody. This is the uh, My Both Sides is our, our our good friend Tommy Lauren the um insane oh god uh what did you call her Justin the um Nazi Barbie Nazi Barbie although yeah. at this point there, there's so many of them you kind of have to be more specific i suppose so i know i thought this this example was a good it's a good insight into just sort of the thinking going on in uh right wing circles at the moment um she 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 tweeted out. She said, "Suddenly, COVID mandates are dropping like flies. Weird. It's always about being the quote science." And then she writes, "Political science, that is." So oh, Jesus, I I tweeted about. She's this. so I, clever. I tweeted about this that it was like 
she almost there was almost something going on in her brain there almost right it was like she almost understood that 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 um Polit- there, there is a, a huge degree of um, of politics that are involved in a lot of the um, the, the mask mandate stuff and, and how popular that, but not in the way that she thinks it's happening. Right, the the mask mandates are dropping because of the immense pressure that morons like Tommy Lauren and Donald Trump and all the the rest of the the, the anti-vax anti-mask mob. Uh, are you know the, the relentless propaganda about the, how masks are ineffective, our vaccines don't work, right? So this is what this is what's happening: that that governors around the country and politicians around the country are now scared, right? They they're frightened to to uh, enforce vaccine and mask mandates, right? Um, for fear of the political blowback. Not so. It's not in the way that she thinks about it, right? She thinks that masks were always political, right? That that COVID mandates were um uh were were political. That it was an overreach of the government. That there was a kind of uh, Stalinist attempt by the Democrats to to force everybody into masks and turn them into sheep, uh, obedient sheep, and do what they say. But it's the exact opposite, right? It's the exact opposite of what she thinks is happening. So she yet yeah, she to a certain degree she sort of gets. Right, she gets it that that there's political influence here, but she's so ignorant and stupid that she's got the the entire thing in reverse, right? And I think this just sort of highlights the 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 the, the difference between the the two sides, right? That this is they genuinely seem to believe that COVID mandates are there to oppress people. It's like no, it's to save your life. It's to save the life of your family and your friends right it's not there because i don't think it's so politically unpopular to enforce mandates and curfews and 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 that kind of stuff that no politician in their right mind would want to do it joe biden is only doing this stuff and democrats are only doing this stuff because they're responsible and it's the only way to stop a deadly pandemic that's still killing people yeah well, and that's the difference between the two parties. Democrats do things that are unpopular because it saves lives and makes lives better, where Republicans only do things to make them look better. It right. doesn't matter if it actually makes things better. It only matters if it makes them look better. Right, right, exactly. Um, so anyway, that's our show for you today, everybody. Uh, we are about to jump into the members-only section where we're going to be talking about. This is our three-year anniversary of the newsletter. As we were going to chat about the end of the Daily Banter. A little bit sad. Uh, yeah. There was a lot going on behind the scenes uh, at the time. So we're going to just chat about that and uh, discuss the sort of the thought process that led to the end of the Daily Banter in um, 2019, uh, which was pretty, yeah, it was it was a tough time. Um, but we're still here. We're still here. We're still going. So we're going to be talking about that a bit in the members section. Um, and it's thanks to all you amazing members that we are still here. So, uh, if you want to become a member and you want to help support what we do here at the banter please sign up you can be, get three months free so you can join the club and get it all for free for the next three months uh try before you buy um if you want to follow us please do make sure you follow me at the daily banter uh, on twitter and bob at bob seska underscore go uh justin d rosario and uh, you can follow all the good stuff there And we'll see you next week. Later. Take care, guys.